0: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. One of the most unusual aspects of Chinese society is the government's role in family planning. After decades of a one-child policy, Beijing changed the rules in 2016 to allow couples to have two children. But many people don't seem convinced that two are better than one. The birth rate is falling, leading to anxiety about how this profound change in demographics will affect the Chinese economy. Joining me now is Professor Jie Liu, Deputy Director of the SOAS China Institute, University of London. Professor Liu, in most countries, decisions about getting pregnant and having a family, they're very much a personal choice. But in China, these are issues where the government set the rules, and that's been the case since the late 1970s. How do you think women in China feel about that? Do they accept this, or do they resent
1: it? Actually, I found there are quite mixed responses toward this one-child policy. Before this one-child policy came along, having children was never really a personal choice for Chinese women, as Confucian family ideology required women to have a lot of children and especially sons to continue the family line. In particular, for those uh, Chinese people who were born in the 1950s or 1960s, they all had at least uh, four or five or six siblings.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So even though there weren't rules before, there were certainly some pretty strong conventions. Was it different in the urban settings to the countryside, the more rural areas?
1: There are clear differences between the urban and rural China. So when this one child policy came along, some women, especially in the urban cities, they really welcomed this policy. I remember they told me that they could use this policy as a legitimate excuse to fight against the pressure from their in-laws to have more children. I remember one lady told me that she felt hugely relieved When this policy came along as giving birth was extremely painful and she wouldn't like to go through that process again. But in rural China, without a state pension in place, so more children meant more labor and security for parents in old age. Therefore, quite a lot of women I talked to in rural villages really resented this policy as they had to go through the forced abortion at that time. I remember one lady told me that in 1991, all the pregnant women in their villages who exceeded their birth quarter had to be sent to the county hospital for abortion.
0: Well, that's a a shocking piece of information. Let's go back to that time when the one-child policy was set in the late 1970s. It was before China started opening up to the world. What was the political thinking at that time?
1: I think the government at that time was very concerned that the uncontrolled population growth would jeopardise the economic development. Therefore, the state government introduced this one-child policy, trying to reduce the growth rate of the population.
0: So for decades, then, there were these rules about not having more than one child. As you said, sometimes they were quite strictly enforced, particularly in the rural areas. But they were relaxed in 2016. Before then, what was the punishment for breaking them?
1: Yeah, there are very clear differences between urban and rural China. In urban China, the one-child policy was very strictly implemented, especially in the 1980s and 1990s. If people didn't comply with this policy, they would lose their jobs. At that time, there were very few private and foreign enterprises available Therefore, the state owned enterprises are the only places people, urban citizens could work. So if people broke the one child policy, people would basically lose their only source of livelihood. But in rural China it's slightly a different story. So as I mentioned earlier, the rural China did not have a state pension. So actually the state pension was not introduced until 2009, therefore, the state government modified one-child po- uh, policy slightly to two-child policy in the 1980s, l- allowing rural households to have a second child if their first child is a girl. I was told by a lot of rural interview, if, if they broke this policy by having a third child, so the birth planning officers would take the women away for a forced abortion, and sometimes they went to their houses taking a- away all the family possessions. And also the farmers had to pay a fine, which many of them couldn't afford at that time.
0: Well, that sounds like a a very strict implementation of the rules and rather frightening. What about now, if a couple in an urban setting, for example, has three children, more than the recommended, or even four children, would they also face punishment?
1: Yes, yes. Even now, among the Chinese uh, Han couples, The one child policy, two child, they do not apply to ethnic minority groups, but for among the Chinese Han couples who have three or four children, they will be required to pay a fine. And this fine can vary uh, depending on the regions, but normally range from six times, six to 10 times of the annual household salary.
0: You mentioned the issue of gender there. I want to go a little bit more deeply into that, please. In India, some women want to know the gender of their child before it's born, and if it's a girl, they can arrange an abortion. And that's because boys are regarded as having more status, or perhaps more economic value in that social setting. I'm looking at the data about births registered in China in 2019, and I see that there was quite an unequal gender balance So about 53% of the children that were born were boys, and 47% were girls.
1: What's going on? This son preference had always uh, long existed in the Chinese society. Uh, Sons, rather than daughters, are considered to continue the family line. And in rural China in particular, this preference is very strong. I was told by some rural interviewees that in the past they had to go through the abortion if they found out their second child was again a girl because the pressure from their husbands and in-laws was huge. Officially, the, the selective abortion is illegal in China but people always found a ways around it. They could pay money to the hospital doctors or sometimes use the black market to find out the the gender of their baby.
0: Okay, so after the family has one child, either male or female, are they more likely to invest in that boys' or girls' education than they would if they'd had a big family? Would they be pushing the one child to do particularly well in exams and at school and so on?
1: Yes, my research of urban China has found there is no difference in single boys or single girls educational achievement. And the urban girls had gotten the unprecedented attention and care from their parents. Unfortunately, in rural villages, in the presence of a brother, the family tend to prioritize the boys' development over the girls' development. I have to say that the empowerment of the urban girls is the unexpected, the positive consequence of this one-child policy in China.
0: What about child care facilities if a mother has a young child or even two children and she wants to continue her career and go to work as a lot of chinese women do nowadays how easy is it for her to find somebody to look after her children
1: well it is not very easy i mean nowadays the child care provided by grandmothers has become a norm in, in urban chinese cities Myself, I grew up with my grandparents and only saw my parents once a week. The the reason why grandparenting become a norm uh, was threefold. First, there are very limited childcare facilities for children under the age of three, even in big cities like Beijing and Shanghai. Second, there is a general distrust among Chinese families towards care provided by non-family members. And third is concerned with the availability of grandparents. The official retirement age for women is fifty, and for men is sixty. Therefore, the the availability of the grandparents allow this kind of practice taking place. They not only provide the care to the grandchildren, but also did most of the housework, such as cooking and cleaning for the family. Therefore, whether the couple took after to child policy or not, one crucial factor to consider is the availability of their own parents or in-laws.
0: That's a good reason, isn't it, to try to maintain the links between the generations, although those are often unsettled if people move from the countryside Mm -hmm. into the big cities. Do you think that some people take the view that raising children is too complicated, it's too costly. Is that why people now seem to be reluctant to start families?
1: I think uh, one factor affecting people's choice to have a second child is because the availability of the grandparents. And another factor to consider is the cost of raising children. I mean, many interviewees told me that education is considered as the major means for social mobility in the Chinese society. And nowadays, alongside the rising cost of living in the big cities and also the educational resources for children is becoming more and more expensive. Therefore, a lot of the urban families, unless they are financially ready and also the grandparents are on standby, so they are very cautious in taking up this offer from this 2 child policy.
0: So there's caution, people on the whole are a bit careful before they have a second child. And all of that means that China's population is shrinking. Recently, the civil affairs minister, Li Jiehong said that the Chinese fertility rate has dropped dangerously. What's your view? Is China facing a demographic crisis?
1: Yes, China is an aging society. Unlike many Western countries, the aging trend has set in China, while China is still relatively poor, at least in terms of the GDP per capita. And there is a Chinese phrase referring to this process that is getting old before getting rich. And also the speed of aging is much faster in China than that in a lot of other countries in modern history. The rapid population aging will create significant social and economic challenges. In my view, the impact will be uneven and differentiated in urban and rural areas due to this long established urban-rural divide.
0: And that's one of the themes that's come out strongly from our conversation today, the big gap between the experiences of people in rather underdeveloped rural China and the situation of people living in the cities.
1: The urban family are facing an inverse population pyramid, that is among the first generation of the one-child policy children. They must support two parents and four grandparents in China, we call this the four two one one issue. And there are inadequate care facilities either provided by the state or by the market in the big cities. In rural China, slightly different picture. Rural families do not have the same demographic structure as urban families. On average, the cohort over 60 years old has three or four adult children. But since 1990s, many of these adult children had migrated to the cities for work. Therefore, in the rural villages, I visited in Shandong, Hunan, and Fujian provinces. I found that the majority left in the villages are only older people and grandchildren living there. And also many rural households still do not have basic facilities. I remember I was interviewing a 78 year old lady in her bedroom, but there was no glass in her windows, only paper. And at the time it was minus 15 in the middle of February. When I asked her if she felt cold and she said she was used to it. And also there's no sanitary facility. For example, in the rural family where I stayed in the village, they have to boil off, uh, water first and then pour water over them in order to have a shower. So I think there is a strong and urgent need for basic infrastructure development in rural China.
0: Thanks, GAU, for that recommendation. And you can find out more about the SOAS China Institute, which is home to the largest community of Chinese studies scholars in Europe, on our website, which also provides information about courses, events and research. The website is SOAS, that's S-O-A-S dot A-C dot U-K. Alternatively, you could type SOAS China Institute into a search engine and it should pop up straight away. But until next time, that's all from us on the China in Context podcast team.